Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, today my guest is a master of all things marketing. He is a marketing strategist at Club Creative and the owner of croachconsulting.com. Please welcome to the show, Caleb Roach. Caleb, welcome. Thanks, Samuel. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I always am um, impressed. You guys always have podcasts. Always, always have like a great description. So you always make me sound like I'm super cool. Pretty awesome. Well, that's that's the thing you see. Like I, if I set off making you sound super cool, hopefully you'll live up to those expectations and Ooh. be super cool. You see, that, mm. that's it. Make, people going to remember how I made them feel when I interviewed them. So I hope you, uh, wow. I hope you feel good, uh, and I hope you want to tell us all about your life as uh, as a marketing strategist because you don't look terribly uh, terribly old. So you've probably got yeah. a whole different set of insights on marketing than a lot of the guys on uh, the with gray hair have. So uh, real quick before we get started, just uh, tell us, Caleb, a little bit about yourself and what it is that you actually do. Yeah. So as you mentioned and identified, um, I am actually, I turned 24. I, I keep thinking I'm 23, but I uh, just turned 24 in December. Mm-hmm. And so uh, <clears throat> I'm pretty young for my age, pretty young for my career. Um, but what happened was I was actually one of the youngest uh, graduated students at my undergrad university. Um, mm-hmm. So I got my bachelor's in uh, marketing and I actually got my MBA from a, a university as well in marketing and mm-hmm. was the youngest graduate at that college as well. Um, so my whole life has kind of been dictated by getting things done, knowing kind of what I want to do with my life, what my current role within what I do marketing strategy is. I have a uh, marketing consulting firm that I started. Uh, it branched from a company that I used to work with that's now the second largest private quick service restaurant brand in the United States mm. called Inspire Brands. They own uh, Jimmy John's, yeah, Buffalo yeah, yeah. Wild Wings, Arby's, yeah. Sonic. So I yeah. I spent a couple of years doing uh, market research for them for products. Mm-hmm. So they would have you know their culinary team which for some brands, you kind of wonder, do they actually have a culinary team that develops these products? Because they don't look very good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you, you're like, what? But uh, so they have a culinary team and they would develop these products and we would take it into, you know, a local market that maybe might fit their target in Dallas or something like mm-hmm. that and test to see whether a hamburger would do really well. Does that, you know, there's so much formulations between what they're building. And so Doing that got me a lot of exposure to some some larger companies, you know, VaynerMedia and some like, you know, big consulting firms that while I'm traveling with this company and working for a big corporation, I get to see what these big consultants are doing and they're right, getting paid right. to build strategy and basically provide this expertise that you would think a big corporation has, but they really don't. And so that kind of inspired me to start my own little side consulting business while I worked with them. And I always had the dream of not working for someone full time, you know, being my own boss and having clients dictate my life instead of a boss. Mm-hmm. And so over the course of COVID, I was able to build that full time to where I made more money doing that than my full time salary and talked with my wife and everything was good. So jumped into that. So now we have a marketing consulting firm that we basically help everyone from a super small business here in Oklahoma that might not have a ton of resources, but they want to grow mm-hmm. all the way up to large international corporations that we're working with. And essentially what we do is we 
what your podcast is kind of looking at is digesting the overall view of their actual marketing strategy, mm -hmm. see what they're doing really well, what they're not doing well, and having them identify personally what they think they should be doing better. Mm -hmm. Looking at it from a 360 degree view of everything that we've learned, what needs to happen, and then we can actually implement. So we put the plan in place on the marketing side, and then we've actually got the team that can implement the strategy as well. So we right. build a marketing strategy and then lead in with the actual implementation. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting day every day. Yeah, yeah, I know. You go in and uh, actually train their teams with your standard operating procedures, huh? Exactly. And what we've what we've seen is there's a seems to be a big need for companies that you know maybe don't work with a marketing agency or digital agency or ad agency. A lot of companies that try to do stuff in house, they grow it organically, so they hire a marketing manager, or mm -hmm. maybe they're a bigger company and they have marketing departments internally. But what happens is you get a lot of generalists that mm -hmm. might be really good at what they're doing. But they don't have someone that has the experience of maybe media buying, you know, for a large company. So they're trying to learn how to media buy and negotiate with vendors or figure out how to run Facebook ads with, you know, retargeting campaigns. So there's a couple of different things that sometimes companies that are large don't even have the capabilities to learn. So having that consulting approach, they can kind of get the, that expertise without having to hire someone full time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you first start out with uh, with these new clients, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see small businesses making? And, and how does your uh, team go about correcting those mistakes? So we see a lot. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate within the marketing space. I'm not for sure. I'd, I'd love to see what your perspective on this is. But it seems like a lot of small businesses struggle to find the right vendor to work with with marketing. Um, there's a lot, lot of BS out there that they, they fall into this trap where, you know, they see a Facebook ad where someone tells them that they can make them 3000 times <laughs> percent return on investment. And before you know it, they're five people deep and they've spent $20,000, $30,000 over the course of a year and they've gotten nothing and mm -hmm. they've been through multiple. I mean, are you, do you see that as well? Dude, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've been like, I, I don't know how you got booked on the show, probably through, uh, probably through Podmatch, but we do almost identical things. Um, like I take SOPs into companies and I teach them to, to run their own marketing teams and daughter and stuff like that. And yeah, what you, what you find is that the majority of business owners, um, have been through several marketing relationships and are fed up. Um, most of them, they're spending a few grand per relationship. Most of the time the relationships last six or eight weeks and get absolutely fucking nothing done. Um, and I, I think it's because of the amount of information on the internet, basic information, that people can come in and learn and then they speak at a, at a higher level than everybody else. Um, but they're only really one degree higher because they've only just learned the first chapter. And the first chapter is the easiest part of the book. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's that's why those relationships fail. It, it's because a lot of these marketing agencies that I mean, the barrier to entry to internet marketing is lower than it's ever been. Um, the the software that's out there, the hardware with your cameras and your phones and everything, and, and the microphones you can get, the podcast setups, the barrier to entry for this has never been lower. It's any monkey with a camera can make a video, but it takes a real level of skill set 
to create an engaged audience that's going to come back over and over and over and be your ideal target consumer. And uh, I think that a lot of people see the inexpensive side of this. Let me spend 1500 Let me spend two grand. Let me spend three grand and try and get results. And they don't see the benefit of, you know, a $50,000 deep dive and, and actually figuring out what's wrong and then building those systems. And they just see the price tag and they go, wow, that's really scary. But without systems and without standardized procedures, you cannot scale to the lengths that these guys are wanting to scale to. So like, you really have to pull them back a few steps. And there's so many unqualified fucking marketers on the internet. Um, you know, I, I, I don't even know because like a lot of them make promises that you know, as a seasoned veteran, you know, like there's no fucking way you guys are going to deliver on this. Like, not yeah, at well, all. And I feel like I can say this and it would probably be a hot topic and I'll probably put myself on the, on the sword here, but say it. I, I like hot topics. Feel like, I feel like with, uh, with really within marketing, if you can provide some sort of guarantee to someone on the marketing side, I call bullshit. I mean, there, there are moments where you can work back with metrics and look at, you know, Hey, here's a, with cost per thousand impressions, we expect to get maybe 55 leads from this budget and here's our expected. But if you tell someone that you can get a three-time return on investment from their from their dollar spent and tell them to their face that they can you can guarantee that, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's a, I think it's a recipe for disaster because <laughs> in my in my in my opinion, uh, and maybe maybe you'll disagree. If I went to my financial advisor and I said, I've got a thousand dollars and he takes any he goes, I'll make you $20,000 by the end of the year. I can promise it. He might have the confidence that he can make me 20000 And it might be different if he says, well, I'll try my best. I'll, we'll see what you can do. We'll use the expert level strategy to build. And we'll use market you know, tactics to make this with the stock market to, to buy, low, buy low, sell high, whatever right, that is. Right. But in marketing, it's based on consumer behavior. And so you know, if, if we put together a great ad and we use this, this system to get people in, while it might be build some leads and we might be able to generate that three times return on investment. The same thing with investments. If we if the market takes and tanks in six months because it was in a bubble and we didn't know it and all mm -hmm. of a sudden this recession hits, that financial advisor, while he might have felt he had the systems and processes, the market went down. And it's not his fault, but it's something that you can't predict. And so there's so many factors outside of marketing that we have to look at within behavior. You deliver an ad to uh, my wife who's a stay-at-home mom with two kids. If she's having a bad day with both kids yelling at her and let's say the budget's really tight and we just found out we have a big bill from a surgery or from, you know, having a kid. And then we hit her with an ad that's like, you know, get 20, 50% off. There's still that piece that she might purchase that product. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, she's probably not going to purchase that. And so maybe it's a little extreme by saying, I, I don't believe anyone that promises anything. But within marketing, I think it's a, a very slippery slope that when people start to give promises or guarantees, guarantees either they found some way to manipulate the guarantee to say you have to call someone 300 times before they're not well, considered yeah. a real lead um so it's it's one of those slippery slopes and maybe i'm completely off on my my reasoning and my mark <laughs> but i just i i struggle because you know within what we've done it seems like we have some similar experiences we have to be so touchy with with companies that we work with because we come in and we say, here's our, you know, here's our resume. And I, I truly believe any small business owner that's looking at a marketing company should look at the resume. You can't tell fully what someone can do, but look at what they've done. Do they have a YouTube university background six months ago? And that's about it. You know, that they've helped one business grow. Like we've all started from somewhere. Right, I'm not going right. to discount that. I mean, I, 
I look up the first website I built and I'm utterly terrified to see it. I mean, I'm grateful I charged about 250 bucks for that. And I did not cost that business owner a lot of money. Well, <laughs> again, you have to learn things, but at the end of the day, I think there's something to be said about, you know, knowing your place and knowing what you're doing and what you're selling and making sure that you're not overselling yourself. And cause it leaves a bad rep for everyone in the industry. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Um, like, and and again, I I can see I can see struggling with a three to one return guarantee on uh, on paid ads, yeah, and that's why what I do with businesses isn't so much paid ads. Like the paid ads are, are the icing on the cake. Um, I work on building the validation. I work on building the base. I work on building that foundation and that engaged audience. And so, like you know, a lead comes in is is great. But we want to capture that lead and keep them engaged over and over and over and bring them into the company's ecosystem and, and turn them into actual fans and followers of the company. And then we add paid marketing on top of that. Um, and that's that's why, like, um, and, you know, the guarantee I offer is this is going to work or I'm going to work on it with you until it does. Like, because I, I know. And I think that's a much, you know, that's a much more reasonable you know. offer than saying, like, hey, you know, we're going to get you $50,000 from your $100 that you spent. Like, no. I, I feel like there's something to be said about backing up your work and what you're doing. And that's that's something that we kind of do as well. It's not a full guarantee, but it's, hey, if you don't feel confident about this product, you don't feel like we've delivered, that's a different story. But, yeah. if, you know, it's it's the setting expectations properly that you don't walk in and make someone that let's most, most small businesses, most small business owners do not have the capital to invest a significant amount of money. So when they do invest a significant amount of money and they don't see that return that you've promised them, mm -hmm. I mean, you can ruin a business very quickly if you're not going about it the right way. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, that's why I put out so much free content. Like, I yeah. give away most of what I do. Like my one-on-one -on -one consultants, I'll tell them, if you go back and listen to enough episodes and cross-reference it against YouTube and Google, you'll figure this out. Like it's not rocket science. It's it's very, very disciplined steps over and over and over and over. It's like a big equation that we have to pull apart and work on. And, um, you know, I think that there's far too many people that are unaware of the depth of the equation that needs to be calculated and they just go out and they, they they spend some money on ads and dude i did it in the past like i've spent money and got five to one return on ads and not been able to get enough traffic to convert the offers man you know mm -hmm. and and when that happens when that happens it's 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 amazing and you ride that traffic as hard as you can and you make as much money as you can on that offer and and you do it but those are those are the the, the few and far betweens like really it's it's a science and it's just it, it's it's a set of replicable steps over and over and over that the that the small business owners need to be taught and you can learn it on youtube university um obviously it's better if you've got somebody like you or or me kind of teaching you how it goes i mean i don't know how much you've spent but i'm well into the millions on on facebook ads and google ads and and you know all that stuff so i mean you'd think that buys a little bit of uh, a little bit of experience doesn't it yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think there are, there are times that maybe you're a small business that you're looking for that person, you know, that like, I, I remember when we first started four, four years ago, you know, I would do anything to gain experience just so I could build my portfolio. So mm -hmm. someone would come to me and it's like, Hey, let me run your, your ads or let me build a website or let's build strategy out. I'll charge you a limited you know cost. And there are moments that sometimes that's really beneficial for the business owner because you're getting that like, 
experience whilst right, doing it right, right. for you and it works really well. And so I think it's all like a factor level. But what what we see and what we really try to focus on, and it sounds like you kind of do the same, is with so many people going through marketing agency. I mean, our typical client has at least three to five bad experiences mm -hmm. within the past year to two years. Yeah, they all do, man. They all do. Yeah. And what's amazing is specifically for us, and it's something that we work with our clients on as well, is that full life cycle of someone working with you. What we fail to forget is like the referral side, you know, the positive interactions mm -hmm. that lead yeah. to additional business. So it's like you're running ads and we've got both gone through a lot of money on ads, but I can't tell you my conversion rates. Like I can, they've never been higher for referrals versus Facebook ads. Facebook ads, we have to chase them. We have to prove our worth. But there's something about the power of someone having a great experience for six months Someone mm -hmm. else having a terrible experience. They're sitting down for a coffee. They're talking about business. We've got this great firm that we're working with. And it's amazing the difference when you sit down with those people that have had a good experience that sit down that even though they've had all these bad experiences, they're like, okay, we're listening to you because we've seen that work. Right, and so I think right. there's there's something to be said about in the in the grand scheme of things of interviewing people, I think we don't put enough weight on. Let's look at the past experiences and see what what you've proven, what you've done, and let's see how that works. Um, not just the the first person that gives the best offer. Well, you know? that's why I don't run cold traffic to my own stuff. So all of my work as a as a consultant comes from the work I do on social media as a podcaster and as an entertainer and putting out more and more things and I host events and I hold little seminars for small business owners and I help people out like that and I do it all for free but the work comes because of how helpful I am and the, how much effect I can have and it all comes from referrals um, with cold traffic I have to take that traffic and teach them who I am and ask them to trust me and ask them to buy from me. Whereas with a referral or with a, a validated you know, piece of traffic that's come from one of my sources, like they already know who I am. They already like me, they already mm -hmm. trust me and they're so much easier to close and more ready to do business. So I don't actually do any paid advertising for the small business surgeon just because I use organic traffic and I use social marketing methods to, to become a validated authority in my space. And so now yeah. people look at me as a validated authority. And, you know, I've got the reviews and the, the uh, what are they called? The testimonials to back it up. So, I'm, I, I, but it, it's not an overnight thing, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of business owners think you can throw money at this and get a return in, in two weeks. And no, you can't. You'd be to converting cold traffic and running ads again, you know. So, <laughs> um, like, I I set my clients up with a six to nine month expectation on a positive ROI. I'm like, you're gonna go in the hole for three to four months building all this out and putting the systems yep. in place. But without the systems, man, cold traffic just. Add, Dude, so many people direct link. They just fucking direct link and it drives me up the wall because they don't even know what the, what a website's for. They don't know what a landing page is for. They don't know, like, they don't even know to put a tracker between the click and the lander. Like, I'm just, you never, never mind. You, well, you get me ranting have, on this show these, now. <laughs> you have all these, you know, and that's, I think that's one of the things with all the emerging trends and all this new technology, AI and like apps and app store and iPhones. It seems like, you know, there's proven strategies. There's ways to divert from the proven strategies. There's ways that like always businesses can grow, be growing. We can be growing, learning about new things. I think AI is going to be a really interesting one to see over the next six months to a year. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's funny to me is you have this proven website you get 
both search engine traffic plus you you can drive traffic paid to your website mm -hmm. it's an easy way to show off entirely what you do add videos it's the most basic form of having some sort of online exposure and people get so worked up because it's like well google's dying google's dying and what they hit me with is the app store has the most downloads ever like we need to create an app and it's the perfect example of marketing is there are so many people downloading. And the first question I have is, what are you going to put on your app? And why would someone download the that app? Use like, your app? Like, yeah, exactly. And so I think it's like the overall perspective of marketing that I think so many people could continue to learn and see is when it comes to all these strategies, all these new things, there's so many things happening that you have to position yourself no matter what you do as the expert in your space, which yes. is probably why you do a lot of free stuff. Because right. if you're the expert in your space, mm -hmm. you could give away all of your SOPs. You could give away everything that you do and they wouldn't implement it properly because yep. they wouldn't know how you do things the way you do. And so that's why paywalls are sometimes good. But at the end of the day, you have to position yourself as the expert, as yeah. a business owner and say, this is why I know my stuff. And I'm confident that I can implement and execute this better than you can because I know how this works. So you can go do it on your own if you want to, but that's at the end of the exactly. day, it's not going to be the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what I do. I mean, I just licensed, um, about two months ago, I just licensed the high level software uh, because I wanted my own CRM um, like that was better than what I had. And I thought, well, it's time to do a custom CRM. And then, you know, you, you get into it. And I'm like, oh man, I can put this together for my clients super easy. Um, but like you don't realize just how much work is done by the systems and so what i've started doing now is logging everything i'm creating in high level and turning it into tutorial videos and giving it away for free because it validates me as the authority in the space and when they run into something complicated they go you know what this guy knows his shit we're going to give him a call and he's going to come and fix the complicated stuff for us and yep. i know that 95% of people that watch my stuff aren't going to roll up their sleeves and do the work. They're just not. They'll reach they'll reach the second or the third or the fourth obstacle and they'll just quit. Cuz like contrary to what you might think this is actually quite difficult. <laughs> yeah. You well, and that's the thing. I mean, it's like your podcast example. How many people start podcasts and they have the the new like the lights and the mics and everything. They start the, they get mm -hmm. art, they get the intro started. They last three episodes and then they're yep. done because they, I mean, I think that's the biggest piece that we, I mean, fucking as hard. <laughs> it is. And that's the thing with the, within our org too, you know, as a, as a marketing consulting firm, we have to continually refine our processes mm -hmm. because we have to live up to this expectation that we're helping the client execute and implement. And sometimes we fail on delivering that. And that's where you have to identify where did we fail? What do we do? And how do we implement this better? Mm -hmm. But there is something to be said about the actual X. It's like why 75 hard. So, so big now it's why all these big things, because nobody can stick to something. And that's like the most yeah. valuable skill set at this point is, is commitment. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I get more listeners in a day now than I used to get in a month. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but some some days I get like eight listeners, and I have no idea why. Some days I have like six hundred. You know, I I don't know I don't know why it works. I just know that the consistency over and over. And I mean, I don't have a lot. Um, I've got some studio stuff. I've got some lighting. I've got multiple mics, multiple cameras. And for the sake of of the the quality of the product and the the finished product. Um, I just record on a webcam with a digital background. Like, 
<laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I've got a, got a couple of hundred dollar microphone in front of me. Sure. Um, yeah. But like, you don't need the recording studio. You don't need the lights. And I've just done a deal with a studio in, in Vegas. Um, I may be out there by the time this airs. I may not. To where I'm moving everything and flying to Vegas every two months to block record sessions so I can go in person and I can have those cameras, I can have that setup. But instead of me spending, you know, 30 grand on a studio setup, I'm just gonna lease studio space from, from somewhere and I go, you lease it for a day, I can fit eight guests in, we can do in-person interviews. And then like, that's come over 200 fucking episodes over two years of, of and everybody's gotta be scheduled and everybody's gotta be talked to. And like, I think people just see the, the show and they don't see the amount of work that goes into it and what i train my clients to do from a consulting perspective is i make them the authority in their industry whatever it is they do like we get them over that fear of being on camera we get them over that fear of talking to an audience and then we take them on a six to nine month journey and we make them the authority in their in, in their realm and dude, it, you know, I know there's no guarantees in anything, but dude, it fucking works every time. Like it is oh, yeah. like the best <laughs> recipe. And you know, my my only regret is I can't do more of them at the same fucking time. You know, I get to five or six clients, and and then the podcast, and then everything else, and I'm just jammed up. So um, I can yeah. only get one client. Like one one drops off, another one jumps in, but I can't. You know, my my biggest wish is that I could have like fifty clients. You know, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah, that's my thing. And I think there's something valuable you said. I mean, you can never turn away too many clients, but at that piece, that's the other, it seems like you're kind of in that space as well of it. You can tell the quality companies out there when they're too bit, almost too busy to work with you because mm -hmm. there's so many people working with them that want to work with them. And so that's, it's like the the blessing and the curse because you've got a lot of people that yeah it, it, it's like a i don't know it's a weird little web well i had other things going on too and so like i had a real estate company i had a, a media company making video and tv commercials and stuff and you know i could only work with really about three clients at a time when it came to consulting and i really wanted to step up into the consulting world more and more so i i exited those other two companies um just because I knew that this was what I wanted to focus on. And right now I'm at that five to six client level and I've started stripping out and building like essential infrastructure to scale to 50 clients because it wow. dawned on me that everything I'm doing, yes, it's all customized to each specific client, but they all fit within their own niche for SOPs and for systems. So I can replicate the systems and reuse them over and over and over and help more clients. So that's become my goal is to is to scale from the six to seven where I'm at up to up to fifty, which would be quite nice. I like that. Well you should uh, <laughs> consult yourself on how to do it. <laughs> I know how to do it. So I'm doing keep recording podcasts. That's that's why that, but you know, I could do as many of these podcasts over Zoom as I want. But at what point do I go to like go to a central location where there's like celebrities and superstars that I can interview because I'm knocking yeah. on those doors. I mean, we've got uh, almost 40,000 unique downloads now, which, you know, it doesn't That's sound awesome. like a lot, but it keeps coming. It keeps coming. And it's, and, and it's time to put some, uh, some gasoline on this show and really, you know, crank it to the next level. So yeah. Anyway, this isn't supposed to be about me, Kayla. It's supposed to be about you, man. No, I, I feel like we've had a really good conversation. And I think I I'm mean, enjoying that's it. The, yeah. the, the organic conversation. I mean, I think that's where the value comes of like, 
when it comes to scaling, I think it's a really important point too. You know, you're looking at that next level. It's going to require a bigger investment from you because Ugh, you're going to have I to know. scale and you're probably not looking forward to that. And, you know, it's not going to be fun. And you're used to probably, you've got your operations and your systems and now it's kind of flipping it over on its head and doing something different. But I think it's the biggest point of scaling of you cannot be afraid if you have that opportunity, you sometimes have to take advantage of it. Oh, and sometimes you, you have to be very it. calculated. But like yeah. you have to, you know, like that's something that we really push into our clients is let's scale with what you're what you're doing. So we start maybe on a smaller ad spend. And if we start seeing some, you know, organic and if we start seeing some reach and engagement, you're making your money back mm-hmm. and you're continuing to try to scale, throw more money into that. Like if mm-hmm. we're seeing something be successful, let's continue to throw more money. Let's build that out because it only benefits you typically and into that model. You've got and, to learn it. You've got to go in phases with them like that, though. Because at some yeah. point, if you're selling out consistently, you might want to take a look at your pricing and go, you yeah. know what? Maybe we're not $1,000 a deal anymore. Maybe we're $1,500 a deal now. And you yep. just slowly nose that up. I mean, my ticket prices over the last two years have gone from anywhere from two to $5,000 per video to thirty dollars to $50,000 per consult. Like, it's, it's ridiculous when you get the validation behind you and you get those reviews and those ratings and you have that track record of success, you've more people want to work with you than you can possibly work with. And that's, that's, that's the best problem I've ever had is just figuring out how to get them all from proposal into, into client. You know, it's, it's a great problem to be working with. It is. No, I like it. It's you're the perfect example of scaling right here. So we, I think you've been the greatest case study on this podcast so far. Uh, you know, but yeah, I've also <laughs> been the greatest example of failure on the podcast too. Maybe not, but like, you know, I've, I've crashed and burned several fucking things like, and, and you wouldn't think it being the small business. So you think, well, you learned that lesson. But what I've learned is that every, every failure you run into, it's think of it like a level. And this is the boss at the end of the level. You're playing a video game. You're up against the boss. You fail. What do you do? You got to go play the level again. Learn a yep. few more things. Pick up a few more weapons. Go back, fight the boss. You lose again. Right? But eventually, when you pass that boss, that ceiling then becomes your floor. That's 100%. the floor. That's where we're starting out from. And so that's all it is. It's, it's learning to fail properly and learning the lessons and moving past them and moving on. So what's the biggest lesson you've ever had in your marketing career, Caleb? Tell us about a time where it didn't quite go right and uh, and what you had to do about it. Well, it unfortunately happened this last week. I, I learned a, a really valuable lesson. So <laughs> you look like you're kind of chuckling I'm, over as there. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm chuckling a little bit because I, uh, I, I went through the typical small business owner thing where... so. We really preach on client experience. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we really hone in on is how can we continue to make our client experience better? And that's something that we sell ourselves on is we try to have the best client experience possible. Uh, that and is why like, we love that is paramount, dude. Like it I is. can't it is like I, I wished I'd understood that at twenty four. I don't want to harp on your age, but shit, if I'd have understood no, that good. then a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> like the experience, how they feel about sorry, so please carry on. Yeah, no. So I uh Obviously, we do it within reason, and we're you know we're you have to slowly scale it because you can't do a hundred times things all the time. But some of the things that we're trying to do is as we grow as a team, we're hiring more people to have that like level of interaction, and so we're really trying to hone in on that. And one of the hardest things is really communication because mm-hmm. when you're starting to add more people into the mix, who communicates with what? And so recently, we had a client that we started a big engagement with, a larger engagement than mostly what we do, right. and. We, I was traveling because I've started traveling a little bit more, gotten back into my travel seasons, prime time for me. 
And so I went 42 hours without sleep because we had some crazy stuff happen just with like clients and flights and everything. And so, you know, I'm there on a, you know, Wednesday night into California. I'm there for the day, start my day at 4.30 in the morning, get my rental car, drive into a client, fly out the next day at 4.30 in the morning, go see a client, get back on Friday at, you know, in Denver and then go back on Friday night, come back home. And so there was one of those moments where I decided to put an email off. We had, we had moved to cancel. We had to move to a meeting because flight delays. And I said, Hey, I'll send you an email, you know, shortly with kind of a recap of what we were talking, wanting to discuss with some objectives and everything. And what I didn't do in that moment was send that email. Everything was in my mind of what I wanted to send. But what happened was it gets dragged, it gets drugged. So, you know, Thursday I'm busy Friday, Thursday night. I'm like, man, I need to send that email off Thursday. I don't send it Friday. And so it gets to that point where now I get a text from a client like, hey, where are we at on this? Stakeholders really want to know. And it's like, I get the anxiety now. And the right, anxiety is right. hitting of like, I am, I'm going to lose this client because, and so then it makes me push it back one more day. And so then I finally send the email off with apologies and we we mitigated the mistake and you know we owned up to it. But there are moments like that where I've learned a lot to where, like you said, it's levels. Mm-hmm. We're we're having to go through this pain to understand and put procedures in place to make sure that that does not happen. Yep. And so that's where we're continually learning. And so not that that's my biggest failure by any means, because we've had, you know, some, <laughs> you know, every, I think every failure is terrible, but it's also a really great learning lesson for us to continually. That's what we tell our team is we make failures so we can learn how to do things better. And while yeah. we don't want to do a ton of failures, like we want to really learn where are our like vantage points that we don't have good perspective on because no organization is perfect, but we're trying to be perfect. Right. And right. You know, maybe not perfect is the right word, but we're trying to continue to b- deliver on this great experience. And so mm-hmm. what ways can we in- communicate better with our clients to make sure that we over communicate so this doesn't happen if one email gets missed. And so that's a, a very recent and uh, I still have the burn from it from my anxiety, <laughs> but you know, it, it. and I think it's a, a really interesting lesson that I've learned is when you run a business, there's so much at stake. You've got employees. Yep. When you hire them, you've got to worry about payroll and you've got to worry about budgeting. And you got like, there are so many you file, taxes getting filed and you got to make sure everything's keeping up while you're still doing the work, yep. while you're still building products. And so that's that's yeah. what I've, I'm in the midst of is there's so much going on. And that's where, you know, as as I, as companies do for me, I have to find the people that will take time off my hands that are better at it. And I'm yep. slowly learning that as well of like, if, pe- if I want people to hire me for my professional work, why can't I hire an accountant? You know, what's holding right, me back exactly. from hiring? You and, know, and, and you should, you should. But like, as you as you grow into that, you, you should absolutely do that. Yeah, because you're going to get to a point where your time is the most valuable thing you have. And it's very, very tricky to run a business and operate the business and do the fulfillment. Like, it's very tricky. And like, having a fucking really engaged and involved team in place makes things so much easier. And that comes from doing a time study, recognizing where you're wasting time, recognizing the tasks that you're doing that can be done by uh, an employee and slowly leveraging yourself out of those tasks by buying that time back from that employee. And uh, yeah, that's a a huge lesson. I wanted to touch though on a lesson. um, You talked about difficult conversations 
um, you, you you drop the ball and, and you avoided it for a day and then another day and then another day. And by the time you've avoided it for three days, you're like, shit, now I'm really in trouble. So you avoid it for a fourth. <laughs> I'm glad you've never probably experienced that like, or never felt that. <laughs> I have. Yeah, I wanted to I let like, you know how common it was. Like, it's very common. Even at 42, um, it still happens. Um, you don't want to fuck with it. I don't want this ass chewing. I don't want to listen to this guy complain. But my advice to you and to everybody listening is it's always worse. Like, you always imagine it to be worse than it is. Always. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it's filing your taxes. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's hiring an accountant. It doesn't matter if it's what you're going to have for dinner with your girlfriend tonight. It, It doesn't matter. Like, the conversation you imagine in your head is generally always worse than the actual conversation you have. And so the one thing I've learned that I could pass to you is, dude, get those fucking conversations out of the way. Get them out of the way quickly, succinctly. Tie them up, put a bow on it, figure the shit out, and move on. Because otherwise, right, What? how long did that take me? What, four minutes, minutes five yeah. minutes? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so i got to have a shitty five minutes. All right, let's get it out of the way. Because you spent the next four days worrying about that shitty five minutes. Like, yep. <laughs> you know, and I know. The, well, the reason I laugh is because we takes. all do it. We all do yeah. it. Like I well, don't want to tell this because mm-hmm. you spend the next four days not being able to do anything, like paralyzed, mm-hmm. because you're yeah. like, okay, well, how do I respond? What do I do? What happened? Like, and you're like, I could have sent this email and had this conversation, and like you said, five to ten mm-hmm. minutes, mm-hmm. and Get my last way. three days would have been so much more productive. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the one thing that I've learned in addition to that is everyone worries about themselves more than they do you, and oh, I yeah. think that's and that's an important. Yeah. They're worried about like what that does to them they don't care like they do within reason but but no i get it yeah there's like a level of caring where it's not they don't care about this specific thing it's just there it's a kind of a snowball effect Mm -hmm. but all they're worried about is their own internal thing and you never know what whether they're doing the same thing and they're stressing about that so they're gonna cut like it's it's all a weird like triangle snowfall effect that i don't know well in my experience everybody's stressed about something and so yep. if your lack of email is failing to give them confirmation on something else, it's just going to wrap them up more and more in that stress. And, you know, we're all guilty of it, especially like, oh, man, this guy's late paying me. Do I got to call him again? Fuck, I don't want to do this. I don't want to mess with it. You know, he'll pay me. He'll pay me. But, like, it's so easy to push those conversations to the side, but you never really get them out of your brain. And so no. I have found... Like, in my experience, the best thing to do is if there's something hanging over you you need to resolve, stop what you're doing, get it fucking resolved, good or bad, just get it done. Because out of however many 86,000 seconds in a day, are we going to let 300 seconds fuck stuff up or are we just going to, like, get over it and move on? And also, I mean, there's two pieces to that. You know, there's the one where I truly think people just want the apology as well without excuses i mean that's yeah, the one thing that yeah. we've really tried is hey i'm sorry we did not deliver on this i'm not going to bullshit you and say you know hey we just haven't had like that was my mistake and owning up to that i think is a big piece like not mm-hmm. giving some sort of an excuse just realizing and being real with people that this was a mistake that we did we've done but we've we've fixed this mm-hmm. but then there's the other piece as well of you know i just lost my train of thought i'm sorry i i don't know how that <laughs> happened I, uh, it left the station. The train of thought <laughs> yeah, is gone. It left the, the train has left the station. There's another good lesson. But I think one of the, the pieces that within that that's so important is the fact that we will always 
fail to some extent, but being willing to come back from those and learn from those and make a better experience because at the end of the day, it makes you so much better. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I think you only really fail when you just quit and say, I'm done. You know, I think you only really fail when you, you like, just give up. I got got my thought. I got got my thought back. The the train has come back. The train's back. Here we go. The train is back. So that was, this is my life. You know, it's all over the place. So with that leads into where the value comes for professionals like us that do the work. And so I say that because you say that people are not paying. I went through that two, two years ago and I'm glad I went through it because I had to have the awkward conversations of like, I had to think about this. Like if someone doesn't pay, do I call them? Do I send them a text? How do I make it non-confrontational? You know, I just feel bad that they haven't paid, but I'm calling them. And I had to get over this idea of like, they have agreed to pay us. Yeah. And if we're living up to our expectations and they're not paying, that's not my fault. And so we we moved to a model and I, I talked to a business coach, a, a good friend of mine, and I said, this is the problem I'm having. Cash flow is pushing net mm-hmm. over, you know, net 30 at this point. Yep. And we need net less than net 30 for most of our clients. We need to get paid, profitable. man. Yeah. yeah, we got to get paid. That's why we I come to work, work, right? Yeah. And so he was like, well, why don't you ask your clients for credit cards? You know, for, for some of your clients that maybe are smaller that don't have to go through an accounting department, mm-hmm. why don't you charge at the beginning of the month? They As long as they cancel by the end, you have their credit card info, you bill. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, what do clients think? What would people think about me trying to get their card? And I had all this anxiety. It took me, it took me about three months to do it. Yeah, that's normal. When I switched over and I asked clients, 99% of them were like, this is so great. Thank you so much. I don't have to put my card in every time. Yeah. And I expected, I, I was like, the, hell, but the fact of just having to get over that hump of asking people for that, it's, it's wow. huge. You know, I, di- I didn't realize. Yeah, that's normal, dude. Like, so our like our continuity billing goes on credit cards and stuff, and then our big billing goes through wire, and it's just handled yep. all it's handled all by QuickBooks. The, the big thing for me, where I made a mistake, and I hope some of you guys can pick up on this, is like fifty percent down, fifty percent on completion. And when you send something <laughs> for completion, and the the client is having cash flow issues, they will avoid that is this project complete conversation <laughs> for weeks. <laughs> to hold that and you know the project's complete you've sent it to them like it's watermarked how do i get the rest of my bill and so um we changed to a 50 40 10 split up um with ah. with 50 on 50 on deposit and then 40 come in a certain period into the contract so many days just depending on how what the length of the the initial contract is and then the 10 percent is what's held uh, for final review and for watermark reviews and uh, it works much better now but like you know starting out you don't think of it like that do you You think oh 50% now 50% when the job's done and everybody will be nice and honest and this will go great and like it just doesn't it doesn't work that way you have to hold people accountable to get paid man so yeah no I get that it's a, it's a <laughs> learning lesson right with business and that's why uh, yeah free lesson there, are, that's, free why, lesson there that's why consultants are god's greatest gift on earth because yeah. those marketing consultants are just so great so that's why everyone should hire one well that's, <laughs> even if all i do even if all i do is fix their cash flow by showing them updated billing systems i mean shit it's worth the money exactly like man you know. they should be they, we should we should pay all this episode and like tell them that <laughs> you know if you want to increase your cash flow by 300 percent, listen to our episode that's what you should do and then make them Pay. Uh, I don't pay paywall shit, guys. If you want to increase, <laughs> if you want to increase your cash flow by three hundred percent, guys, invoice fifty percent up front, invoice fifty percent, <laughs> invoice forty percent after you know seventy percent of the time in the contract, and invoice ten percent at the end. Like 
dropping some knowledge here man this is this is one of the top business podcasts right here well you know man there's only so many things you need to tweak in a failing business to make it a successful business like Mm -hmm. it's just the same shit over and over and over and each business is a tiny little bit different thing you've got to tweak but you know cash flow is a fucking huge one if you can sort out getting paid and getting paid on time it makes everybody's life a whole lot easier you know (laughs) plus i can get paid on time then you know if i fix it for you you can pay me right isn't that how it's supposed to work shit i don't know caleb roach what else you got to add for us mate i i do have one question that i ask all the the guests because we're about up on our hour now mate um i want to ask you right this this podcast is is based around you know the lessons that we've learned over the last uh few years in business and it's it's you know it's directed at people that are generally five or maybe ten years behind where you are and i are in our in our business trajectories and uh, what I wanted to ask was, if you could go back to talk to Caleb five years ago at 19, what's, what's one of the pieces of advice you'd want to give him and you'd want him to hear? I would tell myself not to devalue myself. I, I find myself slowly starting to not devalue myself, especially when, you know, we, as we talked about, as you scale and you get more clients, you can, mm-hmm. you know, someone pays $7,000 for a website and you're like, so I don't have to charge $250 for that website. No, um, and no. so you start you start seeing the progression and cost. And so that's where I, I went through a lot of pain and it was probably good pain, but I went through a lot of pain just dealing with a lot of shitty work because people weren't willing to pay and I, I did not try to well, convey my value there. Yeah, yeah. People that don't want to pay, that's good. They can go and not pay other people. By, yeah. yeah, you spend your time exactly. on finding clients that will pay you. So I, I really wish I really wish I had done those two things. I wish I had A, valued myself, and then B, with the way that I had started my business, we've been strictly cash. I haven't taken outside capital. I mean, we've, you know, when you're 19, it's not like you have a million dollars sitting right, around in right. cash flow. Um, and it's not like you have a, a big backing from a pension or anything. And so when I started, it was fully cash. We've stayed that way. But at the end of the day, I wish I had taken two to three months in the very beginning and structured more of my business because Mm -hmm. the way I started was I started going, I started going, breaking things, building things, breaking things, building things internally, which wasn't a bad idea because I've had a lot of learning lessons from it. But I wonder what would have happened if I had planned a little bit better and done the things on the systems and processes side that I wanted to do in the very beginning instead of jumping right into the work. Wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. I know. And that's where... I'll tell you why it wouldn't have happened. It's because of how your mindset is and because of who you are and because of the entrepreneurial spirit that lives within you, um, it would not have happened. You Really? The, the, the student is not ready for the lesson until they are. I, huh. You would not have been ready at 19 to work on systems and you would not have had the, the um, patience. Like, I'm... I'm seeing you and I as very similar. And at 19 years old, I'd have been like, roll up my sleeves. Let me do the work. Let's go. Get out of the way. I want to do the work. I want to do the work. I want to do the work. I would not have had the patience to build systems. The only reason I realized that I needed to build systems is because as a 19-year-old man, my sleeves rolled up, all of a sudden, I was fucked because I didn't have any systems. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yeah. That's fair. That's you know, fair. you want to go back in time and give yourself some knowledge, but at the same time, you wouldn't have got there without the experience of going and doing the work and failing. So, like, it's very difficult for me to talk to kids because they go, like, fuck you, old man, you don't know nothing. Let me go to work. And I'm like, well, all right, but you come back to see me when you need some processes and we'll be we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I definitely think, and I think the one thing I wish I had done was just progressively build systems instead of just, like, and again, it's one of those things you can always look back and wish, mm-hmm. but... 
you know, I'm still paying, I feel like for some of the, some of the laziness that I had in building systems in the very beginning, thinking I was working hard, which now it's probably double. And I still feel like I'm not working that hard, um, as far as I need to. So, you know, it's, it's all a balance. It's very interesting. Yeah. But it's, it's been the, it's been the single most freeing thing for me is having replicable systems that, that I know work. Mm-hmm. And then we can just rubber stamp those out across other businesses. I mean, it's just been, it's been fantastic. And, and what I like to do with, my content with small business surgeon staff is I'll take my new guys and I'll train them on this because it's not client facing. So if something messes up on the podcast, even though it's one of the most technical things we do and it's one of the, the things I like to train the new guys on first, if something goes wrong, doesn't matter because it's not for a client. It's it's internal and we can we can fix it. So uh, yeah, yeah. All kinds of lessons today. Like okay, Shit. Lots of lessons, lots of failure. That's all I know, but I'm glad that we had <laughs> lots of failure. It teaches that's, you a lot. That's how it works, pal. All right, Caleb, thank you so much for hanging out with us today, my friend. Um, for everybody listening that has enjoyed this chat, where can the guys follow you online and uh, where can they get in touch with you? Well, they can go to uh, goclubcreative.com. It's goclubcreative.com. They can schedule a free consultation. Um, obviously, like with this conversation, I'm a very hard salesman. Uh, typically, we take anyone and everything. We'll do all the slimy sales tactics. Uh, just kidding. Uh, we will do a 30-minute consultation where we will sit down and talk about your business. And we do not charge for that because we view and giving value away first, kind of like you, and then you know, looking to see if it would be a good engagement to do. So if someone needs some advice, looking for some help, that type of thing, they can always schedule a consultation. We'd love to talk to them just a little bit more about their business and see whether there is a need to hire us or not and whether there would be some beneficial pieces to it. My man, thank you so much for coming on the show, Caleb. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I look forward to monitoring your progress and uh, talking to you again in the future. So thank you for coming. Of course. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Guys, that was Caleb Roach. Please uh, do me a favor. Go show him some love if you enjoyed today's episode. He is the uh, marketing strategist at goclubcreative.com. All right, guys, that's going to do it from me for today. I'll be back this Friday with another episode of Friday Fire. You'll be good. Stay safe. And uh, thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Small Business Surgeon. And we uh, certainly appreciate your tags and shares. Have a great week. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week.